Welcome to the Empowering Midlife Wellness Podcast, where we talk about everything to do with midlife women's wellness and creating the best second half of life. I'm your host, Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. I'm a board-certified gynecologist, certified menopause practitioner and hormone replacement specialist, as well as an ICF-certified life and leadership coach and lots of other things. So if you want to check me out and learn about my private practice and other offerings, my website is www www.drsusan.com. That's D-R-S-U-S-A-N.com. It's my commitment to stay neutral by not accepting advertising dollars from sponsors. So all of these episodes are offered freely. And the best way that you can help this podcast is to share it with your friends, leave a positive review, and also keep in mind this is simultaneously posted in video format on YouTube, where you can find me by searching for Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm delighted to have my good friend, Dr. Nishat Latib, back again. You might recall she was one of our podcast guests earlier last year, and she is in a very small group of one of less than a thousand fully trained functional medicine doctors in this country. And functional medicine is such an exciting specialty. So I always think about it as just getting, as you described to me, getting to the root cause of what's wrong. So how would you describe functional medicine? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's all about getting to the root cause, right? So oftentimes when you go to the doctor, you're diagnosed with a disease or given sort of what I call a band-aid treatment Mm -hmm. of whatever symptoms you may be exhibiting, but no one really asks, well, what is the cause of the symptoms and can we fix it from the foundation of the pyramid upwards and maybe reverse disease and potentially get you off pharmaceuticals or never to the point where you would require a pharmaceutical in the first place. Yeah. And what an amazing different way of looking at things. And this is not what Western medicine traditionally offers. I'll share with you, both of us were trained in traditional Western medicine and we have several things in common. One is we both have twins. (laughs) Another one is that we both... um, And a singleton. Right. Right. We had one and then we had two. We were kind of pregnant at the same time, actually, but... (laughs) uh, Lots of things in common, but one of them is that both of us trained in traditional medicine. And then I'm sort of putting words in your mouth, but I know I myself felt just sort of a disappointment in what Western medicine was offering and just this deep understanding that there was something more, which both led us to the paths that we're on now. And I absolutely love uh, what you're doing in your field, which really complements what I'm doing, I think. And so I've been talking a little bit to our listeners about gut health and how important that is. In fact, many people think it's the most important thing as the root cause of many diseases. And we've talked on this uh, podcast before about the importance of probiotics and prebiotics and even touching on how our gut biome or the population of bacteria in our gut can affect things like obesity as well as a lot of other diseases. So I want to talk to you about that in detail because it's so relevant for our patients who are just feeling like they're not getting better. They're saying, I'm eating the right things, I'm exercising, but I'm not losing weight. I'm not feeling better. What else can I do? Absolutely. So I, when I talk to a lot of my patients, I often say, hey, it all starts in the gut. And You know, the gut is complex, and maybe you've probably talked to the listeners about the fact that there's a connection between the gut and the brain, the gut and the immune system, the gut and our hormones. So the reality is that if we can heal our gut 
and optimize the environment for a healthy microbiome, it actually can reverse and even prevent long-term and chronic diseases, which, which is crazy. Right? <laughs> Doesn't that sound crazy? Yeah. So, so you're going to your, just let's just say you're going to your general practitioner, even to me for that matter, and we're doing a series of regular blood tests. And we might find really common things, especially around our age, like let's talk about things like low thyroid or you many of you know of or have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease. So just as an example, how is that related to gut health? Because traditionally, we just give you a prescription for Synthroid and send you on your way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. And a lot of my patients in my practice, this is a very, very common thing. Because in the traditional world, we were not trained in medical school to look at the complete picture in the, of mm -hmm. the thyroid. We were not trained to even calculate what our conversion rate is, you know, between, you know, T3 to T4 or T4 to T3 rather and back and forth. Mm -hmm. So all of those things are really important, but the gut is also really important because the reality is that Hashimoto's is becoming very apparent, right? I'm sure you're finding that in your practice. The number of people that have thyroid antibodies just seems to be going through the roof. Actually in our practice, about 50% of women over 50 have some level of that common Hashimoto antibody called the TPO antibody. It's, it's more common than not. And so what's going on here? Yeah, that's a great question. So the reality is that leaky gut, you know, is a blossoming phenomenon. Well, reality is it's been going on for a very long time. We just didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. What is leaky gut? Leaky gut is actually a compromise of the lining of our gut that essentially makes it leaky. So when we eat food, larger food particles can actually pass through the wall of the gut. And what does that do? The reality is that these food particles are foreign objects in our body. What does our body do to foreign objects? It attacks. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting thing is that gluten, when it escapes through the gut wall, it actually looks a lot like thyroid. So there's a similarity so in the molecule. And so what we have found based on the science and the studies is that the body makes thyroid antibodies to gluten particles that have gotten through the gut wall. And so that is a lot of how the disease starts. Which is so interesting. And you can learn more about that if you go back a few episodes. I talked about understanding your thyroid and that was, it's so complicated, but mm -hmm. there's some more information about that in some of those previous talks. Fascinating. And also dairy similarly produces an antibody that looks very much like an anti-thyroid antibody, isn't that exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is our body makes these antibodies in reaction to these food particles that are getting through our gut wall, and then it actually attacks our thyroid. So that effectively, even though your labs may look normal, if nobody is looking at your thyroid antibodies, they're not going to know that your normal thyroid is actually not normal because the test doesn't test for a thyroid thyroid molecule attached to an antibody, which renders it basically dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and I, you know, I, you might feel this way too. I, you know, I practiced traditional medicine for more than 20 years and the number of times that I missed that, I couldn't count on the hundred pairs of hands. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with your doctors not knowing this. They just simply don't know it. And I didn't know it either. And I'm really just learning it now, but mm -hmm. it's so fascinating how many things we miss. And in traditional Western medicine, we are taught 
to treat sickness. So we wait for someone to be sick and then we put a Band-Aid over it and another one and another one. But we're really not taught to search for the underlying cause so that we can allow your body to heal, which is why I think what you're doing is so fascinating. Yeah. So there's we could talk about this for hours, but <laughs> in context of the things that I know my listeners are most upset about, especially around the holidays, what does the gut biome have to do with our weight other than affecting thyroid? There's evidence that a healthy gut biome actually supports normal weight. Isn't that true? Yeah. I mean, the reality is that if we do have a leaky gut or we do have a dysbiosis and a dysbiosis, we all have bacteria in our gut, right? But they have to be evenly distributed between all the different strains. So you don't want too much of one and too little of another because the reality is that they all serve a purpose, right? That's why, you know, a lot of times you prescribe probiotics in your practice, right? Mm -hmm. Because we are replenishing the healthy microbiome. Um, but the reality is there's so many uh, little nuances in the gut that can can contribute to weight gain because when you have a leaky gut, you're going to be more apt to being inflamed. What does inflammation do? It puts your body into a state of stress. And what do we do when our body's in our state of stress? We hold on to everything, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. our bodies don't know the difference between a tiger jumping at us or some sort of sort of subclinical inflammation that we may not personally experience as inflammation, but it's happening within our bodies. Yeah, I just found that so fascinating. So think about leaky gut. Now intestines are full of all kinds of toxic junk. We do not want that leaking into our system. So if our intestinal walls are intact and that's not happening, that's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. If our intestinal walls are leaky, and I, I love that learning about these things called tight junctions, which mm -hmm. are actually the cells that, you know, we want them to be tightly right. held together. If they're not, and this stuff is leaking out and our immune system is kicking in to do what it does best, which is to knock out all these foreign invaders. So we talked about low thyroid, but all kinds of other things happen too. Like people have joint pain and exhaustion mm -hmm. and all brain things, right? And it also has been linked to chronic diseases like hyperlipidemia mm -hmm. and hypertension because the reality, the other, the other big thing to understand is if your gut is leaky and it's not working properly, right? There's lots of things that happen. One, you're not going to be digesting your food well. Mm -hmm. Two, you're not going to be absorbing any of those nutrients. And three, you're not going to be detoxing mm -hmm. the way that you should be detoxing. And all of those things cause problems, right? Because you're going to have accumulation of, of toxins in your system or even, you know, in your practice. If somebody is not detoxing their estrogen, right? Mm -hmm. It can lead to estrogen dominant states. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we all, those of us who experience perimenopause, Estrogen can get way too high, and we have lots of lots of side effects from that: breast tenderness, bleeding, water retention, mood swings. So, our liver, one of its many very very important jobs is to clear that out of our system, and we're not able to do that adequately. So, the, the, what I'm hearing is the trickle down from this primary issue with gut dysbiosis or not having a healthy gut, which leads to the walls of the gut being leaky, and then inflammation. Is, is basically every illness you can name almost, isn't it? Pretty much. I mean, fibromyalgia, right. arthritis, you know, uh, brain fog, fatigue, everything, sleep. Everything sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And even we, we were going to talk about SIBO. I mean, if you look at the number of correlations between SIBO and chronic diseases, I mean, I think it's probably like two pages long. So, so SIBO, so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So 
little bit different than leaky gut, mm -hmm. I think, right? As yes. far as I understand, but very related. So correct me if I'm wrong, but leaky gut syndrome is primarily talking about the colon, which is this, mm -hmm. the slower part down here below our belly button. Small intestinal bacterial yes. growth, right? Mm -hmm. SIBO yep. mm -hmm. is a different but related issue where we've got a dysbiosis about upper intestine, the small yes. intestine. And so yes. what does that do? So that's the SIBO is really fascinating because I have found that so many of my patients have it pretty much. I would say 90% of my patients that walk in the door and say they have IBS or IBD actually have SIBO. Mm. And the amazing thing is we can get rid of it. Mm. So a lot of people think that they have IBS and IBD and it's like this diagnosis for life. And the reality is that it's not, we can actually heal the gut amazing. and they can actually be normal. So it's fascinating. So just for so what it is, most what of us know is. what IBS is, but just yeah. so you've, many of us have been to the GI doctor and all respect for GI doctors, but there's a diagnosis of the irritable bowel syndrome, which right. is basically you go in saying, oh, I have gassiness, intermittent diarrhea, constipation, stomach upset, and you could be treated with some drugs that maybe help those symptoms somewhat. But again, they're not treating the underlying condition, which is this dysbiosis of the bacteria, right? Right. It's basically, so SIBO is exactly what it sounds like, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And so what happens is that we have our normal gut microbiome, but it gets misaligned in terms of its ratios. And then there are bacteria that overgrow in the small intestine. Mm -hmm. The problem is that they change the way our body digests food. And actually the bacteria most prominent in SIBO love to totally absorb all of your B12 and mm. all of your iron. And so a lot of times the other clue that I find in my patients is people who really struggle with their B12 levels, who struggle with their ferritin levels, which is, you know, an indicator iron. of your iron stores. Oh my gosh, we it's have related so many to patients SIBO. with low ferritin. Yes, and all the people who are coming in for, wow. for B12 shots. Or iron infusions. Right, or, mm -hmm. wow. a lot of times it can be linked to SIBO. Mm. So there's so many different clues. And the interesting thing is, so there's three types of SIBO and the way you test for it is actually a very specialized functional test that we do in our office. Um, actually, you can actually do it in your own home. A lot of my patients are all over the country and we can ship them this kit and it's a breath test. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the type of gas that these bacteria in your small intestine produce. So they can produce, you know, uh, methane or hydrogen, and sometimes they produce hydrogen sulfide. So essentially what these little bacteria do is they overgrow, they produce all this gas, they suck up all the nutrients, then you're deficient, you feel gassy, bloaty, and depending on the type of gas they produce, you might be more predisposed to constipation versus diarrhea. Mm -hmm. So sounds just like IBS and IBD, right. Yeah. right? So what do we do? Well, we figure out what the cause is and then we treat it from the root cause. And in some situations, we can amazingly just treat it with natural supplements mm -hmm. and different types of herbs that will rebalance, kill the bad bacteria, allow the good bacteria to blossom. And amazingly, these people feel so much better. So I have, all, I have other patients that will uh, be diagnosed with SIBO and they'll present with constipation. They're like, you know, I've been constipated my whole life. And the reality is they may, be, they may have been living with SIBO for over a decade. Mm -hmm. I have a few patients like that. But miraculously, we give them, you know, a one or two month regimen on some very targeted supplements. Sometimes we need an antibiotic depending on what type of SIBO it is. 
and they feel like a new person. Amazing. So one of the telltale symptoms is a patient who might get progressively more bloated over the course of a day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever had this, but the patients will say, you know, just by the end of the day, I feel like I'm six months pregnant because I'm so bloated. Oh, I hear that all the time. And then Seba. in the morning you're fine. So that's amazing, isn't it? So the, the idea that you could actually cure this rather than mm-hmm. taking one of these drugs, which is I'm not to criticize anybody's treatment, but drugs like Limzus and other drugs that are given right. for IBS that are really a Band-Aid and they're not curing the problem because the bacteria right. is still there. So how does somebody get one of these tests? So we're going to put links to uh, Dr. Nateeb's uh, website below. But if you don't live in Houston, uh, so we could, you can come and see her and we can show you how to do that by following her website below. But if somebody lives out of the state, how do you, you can go on Amazon and I've seen these tests and which ones are good and which ones work and so SIBO is problematic in the sense that it really there's really only a couple of really good tests. The one that I use is a, is a test called a Trio Smart. Um, what I love about it is it tests for all three types of SIBO, mm-hmm. and it's a breath test. So you're basically blowing into a bag. The cool thing is that even if you're not in Houston or can't be in Houston, this is a kit that can be mailed to your home, mm-hmm. and you do it in the comfort of your home, and you mail it back, and we get the results. Okay, so someone so, can find you at the link below. Yeah and set up a consultation and get this kit sent to them. But it's not something you can do at home really on your own. The tests mm-hmm. that you can buy on Amazon that I've looked at and I've searched, they're, they're not accurate. They're not going to give you the information that yeah. you need. And you're also not going to have somebody to tell you what to do about it. Yeah. The next part is the plan, right? Exactly. And I think we should also talk about the stool test. You know, a lot of times my patients will come to me and they're like, oh, I don't need to do a stool test. I've already done one. And I always have to educate them and say the stool test that you've probably done from LabCorp or Quest or your regular doctor are totally different Mm -hmm. from what we do with our extensive functional tests because our stool tests actually look at every single bacteria in the microbiome and measure it. Mm. We measure things like, you know, uh, we measure all the inflammatory markers in the gut. We look at how much protein and fat might be in the stool uh, leftover so that we can also figure out how well you're digesting. And we put all of that information together mm. in order to come up with a hyper-personalized protocol that is going to address exactly where your body is in the here and now. Yeah, which is so important because this the idea that um, that you and I were trained in when we went to our traditional medical schools was my impression was that some version that every human's the same and you have a symptom and you give them the drug and they'll get better. But that, that really isn't true, is it? I mean, there's there's a, a thousand different types of microbiome or probably as many as the number of people that you test. Yeah. And the treatment protocol would be individualized for each person. So it's a little bit yeah. like hormone replacement in that way. There isn't yeah. a one size fits all. Yeah. So... So if somebody is experiencing, you know, even if they're not experiencing bowel symptoms, sometimes Mm -hmm. they can have this, right? Because I've had patients who maybe they don't have primary bowel syndrome symptoms. So they're not having IBS symptoms, but they've got joint pain. They've got Mm -hmm. brain fog. They've maybe got some low thyroid and some antibodies developing, maybe to thyroid or some other random Mm -hmm. autoantibodies and uh, no bowel symptoms, but could that still be an intestinal issue? Absolutely. I mean, I have some patients who with leaky gut who present with depression and anxiety mm-hmm. because the other reality is that 80% of our serotonin is produced in our gut. Is that so, amazing? You know, 80% of our immune system. So this is, I have mm-hmm. people who are like, you know what, doc, I get coughs and colds and I get bronchitis every single month. I'm like, let's just do a gut test. And sure enough, a raging dysbiosis that we have to treat, obvious leaky gut. And as soon as we're able to heal the gut, 
all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting sick anymore. Isn't that so amazing? amazing. The, the neurologic aspect is so amazing because there's a, a whole bunch of emerging research, not only about depression, but about things like autism, mm-hmm. right? Developing from the gut. And Absolutely. as you mentioned, you know, serotonin, which is the the neurotransmitter that's mm-hmm. treated with antidepressants, maybe doesn't originate so much in our brain as in our gut. So the, the whole science is so fascinating. And if we're ignoring that part of our body, yeah. so really a lot of this is treating uh illnesses with food, like using food as medicine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Food is medicine, 100%. Mm-hmm. So I always start with food. Mm-hmm. And for, I'll give you an example. You know, we have one of the, one of the micro, uh, one of the bacteria in our gut is a, a strain called acromancia. And it's really important for our gut lining and it's anti-inflammatory. How do we, if you're really low in acromancia, guess what? A shot of pomegranate juice every morning, just two ounces will skyrocket that acromancia. So there's so many little things that we can do with just food alone. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing to know is that, you know, all probiotics are also not created equal. Oh, that's for sure. So there are times where we need different strains. For instance, if I'm training somebody for just a regular dysbiosis versus SIBO, it's going to require a different probiotic. And so I think that's the other thing that I really want listeners to understand is that, you know, the, the gut is, is, very straightforward in the sense that, you know, it, it kind of all starts in the gut, but the treatment can be very nuanced. And so it's really important that you're, you know, seeing people who like us who have gotten this extra Mm. training and have a broader understanding because let's face it, we didn't learn any of this in medical school, right? We learned none of this in medical (laughs) school. And so I am not a functional medicine, a doctor, and now Nishat is, but basic things that we've been talking about in, uh, in this show and in my office Things like fiber, which is also called a prebiotic and taking a probiotic. Those are basic treatments, but you may need more than that. I mean, that might not be enough for you. But so starting with those basic things and then avoiding the most inflammatory foods, which are, which are, um, I always call them the high five foods, highly inflammatory foods, which gluten is probably number one. You've heard us already talk about gluten and how that's kind of like one of the biggest insults in terms of, you know, Hashimoto's and thyroid uh, being, you know, a contributing factor. Dairy, um, corn, peanuts, soy, alcohol, and of course, sugar. Ouch. (laughs) That sounds painful, doesn't it? But I... But we don't we don't have to get rid of them all at once. No. Right now, tell me, tell me, or you can. So tell you me can. how tell me how you would put someone on a protocol if they were trying to establish which one of those perhaps was the most big, the biggest culprit for them to get rid of them one at a time or just get rid of them all together or, or what's your suggestion? So most of the time when my patients come and work with me, I put them on an elimination diet. We get rid of everything, but it's not forever. You know, it's for a very short period of time. The reality is that if we can get off of these anti, these highly inflammatory foods for a period of three weeks, that's enough time for our bodies to kind of, for the antibodies to kind of quiet down. And then after three weeks, we start adding them in in a very systematic manner. And we would do, you know, multiple servings a day of a given category. So, you know, gluten or dairy or whatever we want to choose to start with. And you do that for a few days and you kind of see. And if everything's good, then you go ahead and you add the next one back in. So it's really just a matter of adding them systematically back in, um, you know, which 
can seem like really overwhelming, but the reality is like, think about the value of the information that you would get. Amazing. I was, we were just talking over lunch. Like yeah. I have a patient who for the past, you know, couple decades has lived with this kind of chronic post-nasal drip and cough. And he was able to get rid of it completely just by getting rid of dairy. He realized that it was dairy that was causing that kind of prolonged inflammation in his upper bronchial airways and this post-nasal drip, which was just relentless. And all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, I don't need to take Claritin every day. I don't need to take, you know, all of these, you know, Benadryl at night in order to be able to sleep comfortably. And I mean, so. it really is amazing. So you have a detox program, which I actually did uh -huh. and it gets rid of all these things for three weeks. And then as you said, you sort of add one back in at a mm -hmm. time. So my, we were talking about this earlier today too. I, I've eliminated gluten from my diet and then, you know, not religiously. So occasionally I'll add it back in. But when I add it back in now, I can really feel it. Like I feel awful. Now I went to Italy and you know, you eat the pasta when you're in Italy. And in fact, in Europe, the gluten's not as inflammatory. That's right? correct. However, it still was plenty. So <laughs> I, I, you know, you're in Italy, you eat the pasta because that's what you do. But I, I could really feel the difference that it made. So once we've eliminated those things for a while, it, it doesn't become that difficult to get rid of them because you feel awful when you eat them again. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I always say you don't know how good you're going to feel until you get there. And then you get, I have a lot of patients who get there and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this was normal. Right. You yeah. know, you reestablish a new normal and how powerful is that? Yeah. You actually can feel better. So, so yeah, the idea of using food as medicine, I think is, is just absolutely amazing because you know, drugs are great. I mean, thank goodness we live in, in this amazing country mm -hmm. where there are medications to treat serious diseases, but a lot of the drugs that we're taking are actually making us sicker and we're not getting to the root cause, which exactly. is which is our gut health. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, And that's actually a great point. Like we were talking about Hashimoto's. I can't tell you how many patients I've had who come in with Hashimoto's and they're like, well, can you adjust my thyroid? I'm like, let's just, let's stop with the thyroid. Let's first get rid of the gluten. Let's get the inflammation down. Let's put you on an anti-inflammatory food plan. And then let's check your labs in a couple months. And if you still need thyroid, we'll put you on it. And amazingly, a lot of them need less and some of them need none. Mm. Yeah, you know? And they can just do it with, you know, food. Right. And that, so thyroid, we talk about a lot because it is the most common autoimmune disease that I see in my practice for sure. Mm -hmm. But the same would apply to any autoimmune disease, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Right. I see a lot of patients with rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. um, which again, I mean, the thing, the, re the, 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 the thing to understand is that autoimmune disease in whatever category it is, it all, it's all the same concept. Mm -hmm. And so we can treat it by starting with the gut pretty much across the board every time. Yeah, which is which is really amazing. So we're going to put links to how to locate Dr. Nishat Latif below. And if you want to get some of these tests that we're talking about to test to see if you do have SIBO, yep. that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Now, is there a test for leaky gut syndrome? There is. I mean, what we do is we do a stool test, mm -hmm. um, a pretty extensive stool test that, again, looks at the entire a microbiome of the gut, it grows out each strain. It will tell me the quantity. We look at the inflammatory markers. I mean, it's a 15 page report that we tease through. So yes, there so, is a So test these are that. things that you can do. Mm -hmm. And then you, you can create a customized plan for yourself to heal your gut. And then you will not believe 
how much better you will feel yes, in absolutely. so many different ways. Absolutely. And then just circling back just for the last few minutes on the whole weight loss aspect, yeah. this truly does help with weight loss because mm -hmm. when we have this inflammation, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, mm -hmm. our cortisol goes up, which is a stress hormone. It not only makes us want to eat sugar, but it allows us to store fat more efficiently. Yep. So absolutely everything that we're learning now is mm -hmm. how important healthy gut microbiome is not only for all these diseases but simply for maintaining a healthy weight which i know is probably your main concern yeah. as it is many yeah of and that's part of, that's a big part of the reason that the detox that i created mm -hmm has such a profound effect. So the detox is really, there's no calorie restriction. It, we do eliminate some of these inflammatory foods and basically put you on an anti-inflammatory diet. But again, there's no calorie restriction, but miraculously, everyone loses between seven to 13 pounds in four weeks because we're healing the gut in the process, we're decreasing inflammation, but nobody feels deprived. It's amazing. It's yeah. really amazing the power that gut healing has on our entire existence. So, so important. Well, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank and you. we're actually going to talk again next week about how to eat during the holidays because I, this is such a huge thing. We're approaching Christmas holidays, and it can be a very scary time for those of us who are trying to stay on a healthy eating program. So I'm going to have you back next week, and let's talk about how to get through the holidays without messing up our nutritional plan, keeping our gut healthy, and still enjoying our social time and time with our families. So perfect. Sounds good. And awesome. I've got a gut blog I totally forgot coming out this week. So cool. there'll be a blog article all about gut health. Amazing. On my and so we'll yeah. put a link to that below. You can yeah. read all about gut health below. Yeah. So um, if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends. And we'll be back next week to talk about managing eating healthy food during the holidays. Mm -hmm.